The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 102. Today, the Bible Study Podcast starts a study of the Gospel of Luke. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As I mentioned last week, we're going to delve into one of the Gospels, and in particular, probably my favorite Gospel, which is the Gospel of Luke. Before we start studying Luke, I want to do a couple brief overviews. One is, why are there four Gospels? And two is, why Luke and how do we know this is by Luke? Why are there four Gospels? All four Gospels are written with a different audience in mind. And they are probably written in the order of Mark first, and then Luke and Matthew were written next, and then John was definitely written later. And Mark's is a gospel that is really written to the Romans. And so Mark is a gospel that is the shortest of all the gospels, and it is very concise and very newspaper-like in its orientation and talks a lot about Jesus' power doesn't focus quite as much on what Jesus says as Matthew or Luke would, but it talks about what Jesus did, because the Romans would be somebody who would understand power. And so really Mark is trying to bring that out as he talks about that to his audience. And Mark was a traveling companion of Paul and Barnabas, and then later on, we believe, of Peter. And so Mark is most likely the gospel as related to Mark from Peter, who was there for the whole thing. And then Matthew is a gospel that is written for the Jews. Matthew was a Jew, and he is writing for a Jewish audience, and so in Matthew you'll find many more Old Testament references. This is what Jesus did, and that had been prophesied by such and such a prophet. And so if you're looking for how the Gospels tie to the Old Testament, Matthew is your book. If you are someone who is Jewish who is coming to know Jesus or interested in knowing more about Jesus, again, Matthew is your book. Luke is written for those of us who did not grow up with a Jewish background or did not grow up with the Old Testament. It is written from a Greek perspective. Luke is, and we'll look at a minute here at why we think the author of this book is Luke. Luke is a Greek physician, learned, and he is writing this probably in response to the Gospel of Mark. And Mark is not written by a Greek, although it is written in Greek, it is written by Mark, John Mark from the New Testament, who is a Jew who is writing in Greek, and his Greek is not as good. And so Luke is writing a more scholarly account, and Luke was a traveling companion of Paul, and so a lot of what Luke is learning, he's learning through Paul, but he also had some time in Israel, in Judah, and we believe probably some time with Mary, and so Mary's account, for instance, comes out in Luke. We'll see that in the second chapter as we look at the Christmas account. Luke's is the Christmas account from Mary's point of view, and Matthew, since he's writing to a Jewish audience, would be from Joseph's point of view, from the man's point of view. And then John is written with the Christian's in mind. So John is the last of the Gospels, and the readers of John's Gospel are assumed to have read one of the first three Gospels, what we call the Synoptic Gospels, in the sense that they tend to be a synopsis of what Jesus did in chronological order from first to last. Each Gospel writer bringing out different incidents and different stories because they're writing to a different audience. Luke's gospel is written by a Greek. Luke tends to bring out the universal nature of Jesus, the fact that Jesus was intended for everyone, which makes sense if you're writing for a Greek audience. John's gospel 
is talking about the theological implications of what Jesus did. So John's gospel is not focused nearly as much on the what as it is on the why. And so John's gospel is a great gospel to read second when you understand the story to look at the theological implications of that. Jumping into Luke, I'm going to read here from Luke 1. The introduction. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of these things that have been fulfilled among us, just as there were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seems good also to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. The writer of this gospel and the and this gospel is not signed, so we'll look in a minute why we think this gospel is from Luke, is writing this not as an eyewitness, as he points out here, but instead he has investigated this carefully. So Mark and Matthew's gospel and John's gospel are from an eyewitness. Luke has looked into this and has talked to eyewitnesses, but is not himself one. And he is writing this as a series of two letters to a man named Theophilus, or to a person who is Theophilus, who is a lover of God, and that is what Theophilus means. So it is either a literal person's name, or he is writing to someone who is a God lover, who is writing to someone who is coming from a Greek background, who has been drawn to Christianity. And so he is writing these two letters, and the first one we know is the Gospel of Luke, and the second one we know is the book of Acts. Acts also starts with this intro addressed to Theophilus. And that's how we know these two books tie together. I said that this book is not signed, but we attribute it to Luke. One of the interesting clues is in that second book, which we call the book of Acts, there's an interesting thing that happens in Acts 16. I'm going to read a couple verses from Acts 16. I'm going to read starting in verse 6, and then I'm going to read it on through verse 12. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, so they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace the next day for Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city in the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Did you notice what interesting thing happened between verse 6 and verse 12? We started with Paul and his companions, and right around verse 10, it was suddenly we got ready at once to leave. Whoever the writer is of this book joined Paul in verse 10 as Paul is prepared for the first time to bring the gospel across the Bosphorus to Europe, to Greece in this case, or Macedonia. And so we know that this book is written by a traveling companion of Paul, and we also see that this author leaves again later on in the book of Acts and then comes back again. So we see somebody who is coming and going from Paul's traveling companion, somebody who he is sending for or leaving behind, and 
because of the nature of the language being well-written Greek, because of the nature of the medical descriptions in this book, and because of a detailed list of who Paul was traveling with, scholars have determined that this is probably written by the physician Luke, who on occasion is a scribe for Paul in some of his letters. And so we know that he took upon himself that role. And we should say that most books at this time are not signed. That is something that is fairly common at the time. And in the Gospels, as the people were putting together the the New Testament canon, this was attributed to Luke and has been ever since. And the last thing I want to say about this book, and we're just going to do the introduction this week, we're not really going to get much further than we've already gotten in the book, is that the opinion of Luca as a historian changed significantly in the 1800s, because Luke would mention a lot of historic detail that could be cross-referenced. And so Luke would mention that when the particular census was taken during which Jesus was born, that it was during the reign of Quirinius, the governor of Syria. What happened was before modern archaeology started, people would say, well, hey, Quirinius wasn't governor of Syria during the time period of Caesar Augustus. And so Luke had developed a reputation of not a particularly good historian. What happened is after archaeology, people would dig where Luke talked about something and they would find, for instance, that Quirinius was governor of Syria twice, once overlapping with Augustus. Okay, Luke was right. They would dig in a place that he mentions in Acts, for instance, when he talked about so-and-so being a public leader, and they would find an inscription that is to that person who had given this particular bath or whatever. And so Luke's reputation is that of a very detailed, very good historian in terms of the accuracy of the details that he mentions. And it's really a lot of modern archaeology that has restored his reputation, which had taken a hit before that. That's where we're going to end this particular episode of the Bible Study Podcast, but please join us next week as we start in earnest the study of the book of Luke. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, Search and follow the Messenger Movement podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.